Good evening, and welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library's African American Department. I am Vivian Fisher, manager of this wonderful department. So without further ado, I want to talk this evening a little bit about Mr. Alvin Stone, who was born and raised in Northwest Baltimore, Maryland on Harlem Avenue and Pressman Street. And of course he was raised, um, he is one of nine children in his family. And um, although he was the baby boy, he was truly a blessing and was not spoiled by his parents, at least that's what he states. <laughs> so as a graduate of Emerson High School, uh, he was in the class of 1966, where he lettered in football and was a champion cross-country teams and champion track and field. He was also, um, he, um, he set the junior varsity track record for the 800 meters. And in 1967, he was called to serve in the Vietnam War, where he was honorably discharged in 1969. Stone also attended Baltimore Community College, where he received an AA degree, and he ended up majoring in Black American history. And while attending college, Stone found employment with the Department of Navy in Washington, D.C. in Crystal City. And many of you know he was a procurement specialist. And then he retired and he found employment as a specialist in the United States Army at Aberdeen Proving Ground. But this evening, we want to talk about Stone um, wrote this story, which is a true story of, of an African-American groom of horse racing and his life as one of the sport's most respected of grooms. So without further ado, I'm gonna have Mr. Stone come up so he can talk to us about Stoney, the story of my dad's life in African-American groom of horse racing. Good evening, everyone. It's certainly a pleasure to see everyone in here family, friends, and the spirits above that's looking down on me right now. The, my inspiration to do this book not only came from my mother and father and family members, but also from my wife, uh, Doris Janae Stone. And this uh, is truly a blessing. And um, it took me a minute to write this book. I thought I could do it overnight. But I remember someone that's sitting on the front row told me, it don't happen like that, brother. But um, I was able to accomplish this book because all of my Saturdays, holidays, and vacations were spent with my father. Uh, whether it was Pimlico, Law, Bowie, Upper Marlboro, Hagerstown, Cumberland, Haverty Grace, Bel Air. And it's only three of those tracks that are here now. My father put in over 50 years of horse racing at these racetracks. Not only here in Maryland, but up and down in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Florida, Kentucky, and Chicago. And um, I, am, I am over, over, over related right now, okay, just to see everyone here, okay. This was one of the goals that I wanted to accomplish uh, that I had set forth 
for myself when I was in Tuxedo, when I, if I made it back from Vietnam in, in one piece. If I made it back in one piece, what I wanted to do was to buy a new home nobody else had been in before, as well as uh, write this book. And I've been blessed to accomplish to do this. So I will tell you a little bit about the book. Uh, my father was Stoney. That was his nickname on the racetrack. And my father was, was from Lexington, Kentucky. His parents gave him permission to leave home at the age of 13 to go all the way to Canada uh, to work as a groom. And while he was there, he learned his craft. And many of you in here know about the Triple Crown of horse racing, okay, which starts in May in Kentucky. Well, the first Triple Crown winner was in 1924. Nineteen, I'm sorry, 1922. A horse called Sir Barton. My father was on that team where he learned his craft to become a groom. Shortly after that, the gentleman that owned that racehorse, which his, na his name was uh, uh, Commander, um, uh, not uh, uh, J.K.L. Ross, was, was the commander that owned this horse. But he also had a farm in Maryland, in Savage, Maryland, which was out right outside of Law. And in the winter, he would winter his horses uh, there. So my father came down with, uh, with, with the horses that winter, and he met my mother. And this was in 1924. And they got married. Um, okay. Okay, I think that's much better. I think everyone can hear me now. Okay, they got married at the age of 17 and 16, all right? And uh, they got married at the age of uh, 17 and 16. And my grandfather, who's also in the book, Joshua Prater, I never saw him, I never met him. And he was a skilled woodsman, sharecropper, and cabinet maker. And he built a brand new log cabin for himself as well as my grandmother, Francis Prater. But he also allowed my mother and father to move in there. And the first four children was born in that log cabin. Okay, I had no idea. Okay, this is all black history we're talking about right here. Now, as far as, as uh, racehorse grooms go, we're talking this go all the way back to slavery. Where this craft has been passed down from one generation to another generation to the grooms today. You may not see too many African-American grooms today, but they're still there, as well as the jockeys. My father's brother um, was a well-known jockey when he rode back in the 20s. He even rode in Cuba and Florida and Kentucky. His name was George Stone. But as time went along, okay, some of it uh, had to do with uh, segregation and racism. But it did not stop people such as my father with the craft that he had. And he was well respected, black and white, or white and black. And well known around the country. One of the things that you do not see today, which is on the cover of my book, is the horse tail braided and the mane braided. That is a specialty. And you had a lot of grooms that did not have that touch that call on my father to do this. And uh, 
he was well paid when he when when he when he did this particular chore. Now, one of the one of the um, one of his favorite sayings was when he got a horse to run run in a race, and if that horse won, and it's a phrase that you may hear now, where when the horse win, it was winner winner chicken dinner. Okay, all right. That was one of his favorite phrases. All right. And also, I would like to say that um, my brothers and sisters and my nieces, my cousins and my nephews, we have a lot to share. And I just wanted to say that half of you who's related in the family, you're here because of horse racing, whether you want to believe it or not. And also, um, my father-in-law is here today. And he's mentioned in the book because he wanted to be a jockey. <laughs> and I and it's and it's Janae's dad, and I see him back there smiling. <laughs> Bishop James Thornton. Doctor. Doctor Bishop James Thornton. Can you stand up? Can you stand up for a minute, Dad? Thank you. Love you, Bishop. Love you, Dad. Thank you. So at this time, I would like to say to everyone, if whatever questions that you would like to ask me about the book, I'd be more than happy to tell you about it. And if there's anything that I have missed, I didn't do it intentionally. But remember, I'm not spoiled. And also, the price of the book is $18. So who has some questions for me? Oh, right. ah, my niece, hey. Marissa. Marissa, please stand up, darling. What, can you start? Can you start that over one? Start, start over again. I didn't catch all that. I love you too. Yes. No, it didn't happen that way. How how that happened, uh, Marissa, was as I was saying earlier, um, the commander J.K.L. Ross from out of Canada, okay, which, which he was very wealthy, he was a Navy commander. Uh, he had uh, horses all over the country, but his particular farm was in law, the old law harness racing, not the law racetrack now, but the old law harness racing, which is the horses with, you know, with the, the carriage, or the sockies, or the harness, whatever you want to call it. And he would winter his horses there for the winter. And when my father came down there that year in the winter, okay, that's how he met your grandmother, Alice Prater. And one of the things um, I remember him telling me uh, when they called it courting back in those days, 
that he would bring um, um, her father ice cream and bring her mother flowers. So that's sort of like got him in the door. Yes, Bernard? Yes, yes, my nephew. Well, thank you. Of course, you know what my grandfather meant to me. My yes, question sir. to you is, what is the connection with Stoney and the Sagamore Farms? The connection with Stoney and the Sagamore Farms is that uh, some years ago, um, Sagamore Farm was owned by Alfred G. Vanderbilt. And it was given to him by his mother for a birthday gift, which was 500 acres. The Bromo Salsa clock that you see in Baltimore up in the tower, she was married to the gentleman who owned Bromo Salsa. But the connection there was um, when there was no horse racing during World War II, your grandfather found work working on the farm with the horses. And it was a whole different program. Working with the horses on the farm involved a lot of work, as well as the groom. And uh, during, during the day, they would turn the horses out in the pasture. And in the evening, they would, have to come, they, they would go out and bring them back in. Sometimes it would be a little difficult to bring them in. So you had to know some tricks, like have carrots or apple or peppermint. And then sometimes the grooms were asked to stay overnight when the broodmares was in foal for yearlings to be born. And they were helping with that. And I had the opportunity, um, one Saturday I went my father up to the farm. And I happened to uh, shake hands with uh, Mr. Vanderbilt um, at the time. I never forgot that. Didn't rub off though. But anyway, that's the connection with Stoney and Sagamore. Also, let me let, let me point this out as well uh, about Sagamore. Um, there was a contest a couple years ago, um, and Kevin Plank, of uh, the CEO of Under Armour, he now owns Sagamore, as you know, as well as the Sagamore uh, Distillery down downtown. He had a contest, and um, I entered this contest, and I put forth the best information to keep Maryland horse racing in the state of Maryland. And I was selected the winner, and what it involved was, uh, it involved me presenting the trophy to the Myhoffs. And on that particular day, I had my wife there, and I had Miss Lydia Jackson there. And we presented the trophy to the Mahawks in the Winter Circle, which is also covered in the book. And that was um, the friendship that started between me and Kevin Plank, Sagamore. Wow. Yes. I just want to, for point of clarity, I want to point to Marissa, that great-grandfather, Joshua Craig, worked for Old plantation house. 
uh, and it's still there. You know, they have taken the land and made Emerson and they make townhouses as a home. The old home is still there. And uh, Gloria and I both have a picture of Joshua Fred in front of the house of Stevens in the tree. So, yeah, that is still there for history. We also, uh, on, Gorman, on Gorman Road, we also had a, a piece of property uh, that belonged to the, uh, the Praetors. But I'm not going to say how it disappeared because it wasn't in good taste. But anyway, we did have uh, some land down there. Is there other questions? Yes. Joel, my man, my security guard at the VA. Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm fine. All right, good to see you. You see, first things first. I never knew you had a shiny head, Mr. Allen. He always has on a beret or a hat. And one day I was having a bad head day. He said, "Use some witch hats on and and alcohol." And I'm like, "Don't worry." He know he like when my father told me. Anytime you get shaved or cut, <laughs> always put that on. So that's how it is. Okay. Did you ever learn any of the craft? Did your father allow for that? Uh, yes, I did learn the craft. And um, when I was 16 years old, um, it's very, very hard work, okay? The, um, <clears throat> the work of a groom starts as early as 4 or 4.30 in the morning. And it involves getting the horse. If the horse is going to the racetrack for a workout in the morning, you have to get the saddle and the bridle on the horse and bandages on his ankle if that's required. Not only that, my very, very, very wonderful in-law sitting over there, Raw, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it also involves cleaning the horse stall out, putting new straw in, giving them water, and feeding him and also yeah it could it could all you talking about starting like 4 30 in the morning it could be a particular day where the horse may be entered in a race so after things calm down in the morning you have to get that horse ready to go over to the paddock to run in the race and one of the hardest things uh, for any groom Taking a horse over to the paddock was if your horse did not win. It was a long walk back. So, the, as far as me learning the craft, uh, my father gave me an opportunity to try it. And my mother, Alice Song, I can see her now. I told you, boy, you're not going to work on the racetrack. That's not for you. You're going to get an education, even if I got to whip it in you. But anyway, I had the opportunity to get up 4.30 in the morning and meet a rider on North Avenue and Poplar Grove to go all the way to law to take care of three horses. And that involved what I said, cleaning out the stall in the morning, getting, getting them ready uh, for the workout, or feeding them making sure that they got the right type of exercise. Now, it's good that you mention that because in the book, I had a situation where when I was doing this, doing this job, the people I was working for, they did not pay me the correct wages. 
Now, my mom and dad, they only had a sixth grade education, but they self-educated themselves. And this particular owner at the time, they did not pay me the correct wages. He knew it was time for me to go back to school, and he felt that I could not do anything about it. I told my father, and my father said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. When they run a horse over at Pimlico, and if the horse win, we'll see what happens. They ran a horse at Pimlico, and they went in to get their couple thousand dollars to win the race. And the stewards told me, I'm sorry, you have to pay Mr. Stone first before you can collect your money. Okay, so. But, um, as I said before, um, that, that was my experience as, work, as far as working as a groom. Wasn't an easy job. Who else have questions? Yes, George. Thank you, George. Well, George, I can tell you uh, that uh, it goes all the way back to slavery, okay? And it, and it starts with the it starts with the plantation owners, okay, where they had thoroughbreds, and when they wanted to compete with one another, this is also where you saw the the black jockeys holding the lanterns out on the lawns, okay? They were stable boys and grooms. So we're talking about going all the way back to slavery as far as horse racing, okay? Um, and the craft was passed down from one generation to another. Now, also, as far as horse racing go, America's number one horse race, which is the Kentucky Derby. The first five Kentucky Derbies was won by black owners, trainers, and jockeys right up to 1875. And then after that, more people started getting in the game. And yes, there have always been white grooms as well. Okay, but to this very day, you more, you more see uh, a Latino colony of grooms now than more so you see African-Americans. So African-Americans are still there, but it's not as large as it used to be. Now, two of the most famous grooms there was a horse called Man O' War. Man O' War was a very famous racehorse. And the groom's name, his name was Buck Harbart. And he was very close to this horse. And when Man O' War died, I think somewhere, maybe I'm going to say in October, he asked the owners, could he be, be could he be buried next to the horse? They would not allow him to do it. Okay, which was really sad. And then the other great racehorse that most of you are probably familiar with is Secretariat. Now, Secretariat, he, when Secretariat ran, as well as Menno, when this horse would run, the length of his stride was from here 
down to where my niece is standing at. That's how long Secretary Stride was. And they made a movie about Secretary. The groom didn't get a lot of accolades. He should have. But one of the other things that what I'm explaining to you also in here is that in horse racing, the horse do not take care of himself. Some people think that they do because all you see on TV is the owner, the trainer, and the jockey. All right? And the horse. But you never hear them about the groom who take care of the horse. And this is hard work. Okay? It's around the clock work. It's no joke. And one of my cousins who just came in here not too long ago, I wanted you to know that your grandfather is in the book, Jockey George Stone. All right. I see you. As I say, KY, Kentucky. All right. Any other any other questions? Yes. I just want to say um, congratulations, um, Daddy, and I also want to say thank you for um, creating this legacy um, for the family. This is something that I'll be able to not only pay for to my child, but she'll be able to bring it down in her family when she grows older. And um, it just feels good to know that I can say, oh, my father wrote a book, he's an author, and growing up, um, it's, it's funny because ever since I was a little girl and I can remember all the women telling me different stories about voice grooming and how much it meant to you, and every Sunday when the Preakness or the, you know, horse racing game, mm, don't touch my remote, that game coming on, um, I just know how um, adamant you are about it, how your, your journey for this was, and I just want to say congratulations. Thank you for um, making this a something that you just that, you know, something we can all talk about um, around, you know, family gatherings and time and um, opposites of the truth. I always also like. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I also like to say, Mr. Alvin Stone, to everyone that's located up in the act, thank you all. All of you guys, everybody that has come and supported my husband in writing his book about his dad. And my dad is sitting over there too. I am his wife. I love this man, okay? I want to thank every single one of you that who have come and congratulated him and been with him. The book is $18, okay? I ain't got no change of $18 anyway. But I really... This is, are you Mr. Roy? This is Mr. Roy right here. Yes, it is, and his wife, he wife has Ruth. some of his stuff in his book because he does the sketches of horses and everything. But um, I have uh, grown up in the church with singing and directing and this and this and this. When I met this man, why in the world I started getting to horses? I don't know, but I like to ride me a horse too. <laughs> but I love you, darling, and I appreciate you. And you have done one wonderful, gorgeous job. And may God bless you. May your book signing be a success. And everybody that has come here today, I appreciate you all. And I thank you all. May thank God you. ever bless you. God bless you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, Good evening, everyone. Um, I was also brought up in the uh, Poplar Grove, Pressman Street area, and uh, I've always looked up to Al Stone. Uh, he was always one of the coolest guys I've ever seen, you know. <laughs> and uh, dress sharp, you know, wore the latest shoes and shirts and silk and wool pants, you know, and all that. And, I, and he was truly, truly one of our neighborhood icons that we could look up to. And uh, he, was, he was my boy's uncle, you know, so that made him my uncle too. And uh, uh, one other great thing was I found out that his name was Alvin, and my name is Alvin too. So there was two Alvins in the neighborhood, you know. So yeah. Al, uh, I was always taught to uh, give honor to whom honors do, you know. I don't have a question for you, but I'd just like to tell you, man, I am, I am elated, and I'm so grateful and thankful that God placed it on your, on your heart, man, to give your dad, man, yeah, to give your dad all of the, all of the accolades that he so deserved, because it's no telling what he had to go through, you know, and, and, and I'm glad that we have it written in a book so that we can see for ourselves, it's in black and white exactly what happened, how it happened, and all the things that our our history, our history as as black people come up being something as important as a groomsman. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Is there any other questions? Raw? How about you? Well, I certainly appreciate that, Raul, and um, the tradition of uh, um, 
dressing to the T, if you want to call it, it runs in the Stone family, as, as, as well as the other relatives. And as my man was saying earlier that he didn't know that uh, I had a bald head. <laughs> but I mean, to be so dapper every day, this was my father. This was, this was the way that he dressed. Nobody would never have known that this man took care of racehorses than the way that he came home in the evening. And also, um, one of my nieces here, um, well, she's more like a sister, Gloria. She um, can remember the um, story about when uh, they used to listen to the serial on the radio. And uh, I believe it, you said that y'all had the Nabisco tea, tea crackers. Is that what it was? And cheese, yes. And she remembered that very well. As well as my father telling a joke about the mouse it was baited with cheese and the joke he would tell me about the man he ate so much, ate so much food that his toes burst and, um, my father loves his time when he came home uh, from a hard day's work or when he's been traveling around the country where he would enjoy different uh, uh, stories on TV whether it was uh, The Untouchables that Selma Show, Nat King Cole um, uh, King Kong was one of his favorite movies. Um, he used to enjoy that. And um, my father never let his age really get next to him. He loved dancing as well as my mother did. And uh, it runs in the family to this day. Um, I'm looking around and I see it's just a wonderful feeling to see all y'all in here. It's a wonderful feeling. Alvin, I'd like to say um, you've been a my friend, uh, friend of mine for a long time. And I'm so proud of you because I had no clue you were doing this. And when I heard it, I said, I have to go down because this is amazing. And to also mention that all black men didn't leave home way back then. The children and everything. He raised you good. Yeah, you are a sharp dresser, always been. And a, and a dancer. One of the dancing has been, I ever seen. <laughs> but I just want you to know that this uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. And I'm going to read that book as soon as I can. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And I'd like to, um, I would like to call on my, my father-in-law, uh, Dr. Bishop James Thornton. family here and all the wonderful things that uh, uh, the people of God have done. Alvin Stone and all the other people and so we um, really think that uh, I'm happy to be here today. Give them a great letter. 
I was telling uh, Brother Alvin that uh, he asked me a couple of times, maybe two or three, maybe four or five, did you read the whole book? I said, no, I didn't read the whole book, but I was reading. <laughs> but I uh, read the whole book, and it's great. Uh, historical things that uh, go back with all of us, whether we're black, white, brown, or whatever. Uh, we are God's children, and I thank God for that. So I want uh, Alvin to know that I was going to come, so he asked me a couple of times. He says, are you coming? I said, yeah. Next day or whatever. He said, are you going to come? I said, how many times do you want me to tell you? So I'm here. Yes, you did. And so I, I, I thank God for them and the, the gentleman. Can you stand up? Yeah, you. Whoever. Yes. <laughs> and so I just thank God for being here and all the people of God. And even those who, uh, who were younger and were now they're working. And even I'm, they were saying things that um, they remember way back. And so we're blessed. And I thank God for you here, even to breathe and nostrils and nostrils. And, and you may feel some pains here. But thank God for what you have right now. And so we thank God. So I want to thank Brother Alvin. God bless you. Thank you, you did a great work. Thank you. I love you, man. And I want to sing along a little song for you, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to try to be pray for me. Trees of dream, rainbows to tune. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful skies of blue, clouds of white, the bright blessed day, dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, the colors of a rainbow, so pretty in the sky, also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They were saying, I love you, I hear babies cry. I watch them grow, they much more than I'll ever know. 
And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Oh, yeah. God bless you.